Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the latest Socially Distant Rogue Report podcast brought to you once again from the comfort of our homes. I'm your host Craig and joining me this morning for a remote catch-up is a very special guest. It's former Sunderland captain George Honeyman. George, great to have you back on the show for your second appearance. Thank you very so, much. Always the way that we're starting these podcasts and quite rightly so. Is everyone okay there? All happy and healthy in the Ev- Honeyman Everyone's household? absolutely sound, luckily enough. Apart from obviously the keeping same, but everyone everyone's fit and healthy, so that's the main thing at the minute. So yeah, all good news in that department. So how have you been spending your days since football come to an end back in March? Uh, do you know what? At, at first, because it was so near the end of the season, you kind of use the first couple of weeks as a little break. Obviously, you didn't realise how long the layoff was going to be, but we had like a week off and I spent most of the time on a, on a golf course. And then quickly things turned about that wasn't going to come back anytime soon. So uh, more just purely out of staying sane, I would be using it as a fitness camp, really. And then, uh, you know, the online quizzes, that everything that everyone else has been doing, been doing that as much as possible as well, just because <laughs> there's nothing else really to do in there. I think my dogs have been <laughs> walked to the ground, like, at the minute. But uh, but I, I've i actually been all right, to be honest, and especially because I was back up in the northeast. Luckily enough, as I say, we got when the games got called off on that Friday, we got like a week off, so I went back up to the northeast, and I was actually staying at my mum's for a couple of days. And when the whole lockdown thing came about, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'll just stay here with my mum. So it's actually been quite nice how it's turned out. Well, that's been all right then, I suppose, especially with um, being surrounded by, you know, kind of family members back up here, I suppose, at least you Definitely. haven't been isolated back down in Hull. I imagine the novelty of the quizzes and things like that are probably wearing its course now, is that right? <laughs> Very much wearing thin now, like, it's like, oh, I'm just sick of talking to people through a screen, but like, <laughs> I suppose at, le- at least we've got that. I, I wouldn't want to imagine this. 20 years ago when there was nothing else so I suppose we're lucky in that department but I very much wearing thin the quizzes now so you're not back in training as of yet the perhaps no. looking to schedule something maybe later in the month at the start of the June period is is there anything planned from Hull for, for when they want you back in or uh, yeah so the EFL guidelines is 25th of May now so up until Thursday this week was supposed to be in on Monday so I'd kind of plan to come back down on the weekend but obviously that's been pushed back a week again but it still doesn't feel like that's uh set in stone either because i think there's from what i read anyway i'm just reading what what everyone else is reading on sky sports news and stuff that there's a lot still to be agreed on 
I, I've honestly got no clue what's going to happen because you and me both probably reading a different thing every day thinking Absolutely. oh yeah that's going to happen and then you read something else you think oh well it's not going to happen so who knows I, I'm just keeping in the mindset that it's going to it's going to happen um, keep myself nice and fit and then if it doesn't it, it, it doesn't what are your thoughts on it? I mean, perhaps uh, expect maybe a mixture of excitement, you know, happy to go back and play football, but maybe a bit of trepidation, bit of bit of worry, bit of anxiety about, you know, just making sure you do the right things. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I've, it's like anything. It feels like like I've had an off-season and I, I'm desperate to get back now. But for the first couple of weeks, like, I was ready for that break. Now I'm like, I'm raring to go. I want to get yeah. back in. But uh, I, like, I live by myself down here. And I think one thing with it is if I had a wife and kids or I live with my mum or what have you, and I was going into work, I'm contact, close contact with other people and come back home, that's when I think I'd be a bit, I'm not keen on this because if I ever passed anything on or what have you, I'd be absolutely mortified. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the lads do have partners and, and kids and people staying with them. So if I was them, then I'd probably be feeling about it a different way. Whereas it's just me. So, and you kind of, because I'm in that bracket 25, you kind of rightly or wrongly think, oh, well, I, sh- I should be okay with it. Yeah. That's not always the case as, as we've seen, but you're thinking that the odds are in, in my favour. So um, it's a tough one. And, whatever happens no no one's going to be happy there's always going to be upset parties but um I, I think i think we everyone's got to be be sensible with it and, and it can only return if we're doing absolutely everything for people's safety because as as it's been mentioned by like various pundits obviously there's a lot being talked about at the minute it just takes one one thing to go horrendously wrong and mm-hmm. you know look back and be like what were we thinking doing that Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed when, um, if if and when it's going to be this month that uh, that everything goes according to plan. I know, obviously, the Bundesliga returned yesterday, so I know you know if we can maybe follow the measures. Oh, I was going to say if we can follow maybe the measures they've put in place, that that might likely have a, a good bit of influence on um, on the Premier League and the EFL yeah. going forward. Yeah, I think I think it's nice that isn't it? They can have a little uh, look at how they're doing it. Yeah, and we're a couple of weeks behind, and hopefully we can implement something like that. Did he pick a team to follow yesterday? Did he catch any of it? Uh, no, I just caught a bit of the uh, Dortmund game uh, against Schalke. I actually haven't picked a team. I, I never really pick teams, to be honest. I just found it bizarre because it's kind of, obviously with the empty stadiums and that, it, it doesn't feel real. It's like, yeah, the, sp- the sport's really not without the fans. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, you're thinking if that was the case all the time, like, people would go off it quickly. Like, do you know what I mean? It needs the atmosphere in the stadiums. It needs all that. But obviously, that is impossible at the minute but i just mm-hmm. i just mean in general general terms it needs that because it's uh it's pretty dull without it yeah it had the hallmarks of uh like a pre-season game a little bit yesterday didn't it but um it's something to fill the void uh yeah exactly it's better than nothing we've Absolutely. got to be grateful for it so george as i said at the top of the show this is your second appearance um on the podcast yeah. when we last spoke with you back in march 2019 uh, we were just days away from a really, really big week for us, beginning with the Czech Trade semi-final, which was a yeah. fairly routine win down at Bristol Rovers. But a few days later, it was an all-out battle at Wickham Wanderers. Um, you were substituted oh, yeah. midway through the second half uh, for Duncan Watmore, who eventually scored the equaliser for us. Then within the next few minutes, it just it went absolutely mad. You were sent off along with Nathan Tyson and Marcus Bean from Wickham. Talk me through what happened and, and what kind of, triggered it because I mean they were really at us all day long yeah I mean I think anyone who's at the game 
like they were. I mean, I, I've heard it's kind of their style. You know, that's harsh, mm-hmm. harsh to Wickham. But obviously, they spent the the afternoon trying to get under our skin, and <laughs> evidently it worked. You know what I mean? But it was just kind of it was it was a weird afternoon. The whole day was weird, to be honest. How like when we were greeted, uh, obviously Luke was going back, and like the reception team, the way they were treating him. Obviously, it was frustration on on our part because you know we're wanting to win every game and, mm-hmm. and they were making it very, very hard for us. And yeah, it was just one of those games where you just thought, you know what, they're like doing everything they can to to get under our skin and, and to make things difficult. And, and it, it worked, obviously, because uh, we were we were really uh, amped up at the end, myself included. Basically, my uh, my sending off was uh, the, uh, the ball coming over to the sideline and Cookie, our kit man, went to get it and throw it back on quickly because uh, at that point I think we're still 2-1 down and uh, w- one of their coaches came over and uh, pushed Cookie or grabbed ball out, out his hand or something like I can't remember the exact instant but I was already riled up and then I seen <laughs> that they pushed Cookie so then I went over pushed him I mean it was nothing really it's typical football handbags yeah, but handbags. like at, at the time you're thinking you know <laughs> You, you want to lay them all out. But <laughs> <laughs> I felt pretty confident with the, with the mass Sunderland fans there that if it did go into a mass brawl, that we were going to be okay. But uh, but yeah, basically, the, the ball went over to Cookie. He went to get it. One of their staff pushed him. So I ran over, kind of, out of my frustration, out of wanting to have Cookie's back to, you know, the whole day had been an been a annoyance. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And then it just erupted into a mass brawl. And then uh, our sports scientist like grabbed me after a couple of minutes and uh, put me back on the bench. And uh, he got like a couple of other lads to like stand in front of me to like hide me from the ref. And for like a minute, we all thought it would work. Like the ref was thinking, oh, where's he gone or whatever? <laughs> but uh, no, it, it didn't work. He pulled us over and, and sent us off and... I just remember getting going down the tunnel and then a couple of their players trying to chase us, but there was like a hundred people in between us. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, good one, Macy. You're like you're trying to give it that like you're chasing me and there's about a yeah. hundred people in between us. And then people are telling me that Akin Fenwell was doing pull-ups on the bench and all that. And I'm thinking, that's just some of the deal embarrassing. It was a funny one coming out of the ground because I mean, obviously you've got the excitement of of getting back into us, making sure that we didn't get beat. And then with what's happened, everyone's, like you said, pushing and shoving. So we all come up, we're all hyped out. And then I think it was about half an hour later where people are actually having this, you know, kind of reality there going, oh, Christ, George has been sent off. He's yeah. going to check a trade final. I, I, mean, yeah. that, I know, obviously, the way it all transpired, it worked well. But I imagine you must have been sat devastated when you when the penny had dropped thinking you were going to miss out. Basically, I got back into the change room. I don't like, obviously, my my temperature was still really high and I wasn't really thinking about how else but apart from what had just happened and then about five minutes later I'm just, I'm just pacing the, uh, the shower room at the minute and I start thinking oh my god it's Wembley and I think it was two games I think it was one league game and then Wembley or something yeah, like that it worked out funny I think as a Fleetwood game was rearranged due to like yeah there might be call-ups. two games in between, yeah. but anyway it was a third one and it, the realisation starts hitting me and thinking oh my god I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss the check trade. I'm gonna miss the Wembley game, and uh, you know, I start getting upset then because I'm thinking, you, you absolute idiot! Like, mm-hmm. what a price to pay for for missing your Wembley game, going and pushing 
uh, like just losing your cool, do you know what I mean? Just absolutely losing uh, any composure. And yeah, I'm basically just pacing and I'm trying to think of all the scenarios of what, is it a one-game ban? Is it a three-game ban? Kind of like, what what is the crack with the checker trade? Is it the right competition? Yeah. And basically by the end of it, I'm thinking like, I've pretty much companies oh, you've got to accept like you, you're going to miss it here and we, we haven't won the game I've just been sent off and now missing check I was pretty uh, heartbroken leaving that ground also the fact that I forgot is uh, obviously it was Duncan's first game back mm-hmm. and he scored the equaliser and they took him out and yeah, clapped him and, and uh, took his ankle away and I was think that was just another thing on top of it thinking like you know he hated that game hated the, <laughs> the way that, that everything was carried on and I just remember being on the bus and our, our uh, like club secretary used to travel the games and I remember him saying something to us about like I'll get all the clarification from the EFL on Monday he said something like I'm sure it doesn't count in the checker trade or something like that he like he, he he chucked me a little bit of rope. Yeah, a bit of a <laughs> he gave me a little bit of hope, but it was one of those where I was just like, kind of, oh no! Like if he's giving me this bit of hope and it comes back in my face again, I'm gonna be even more upset the next time because now <laughs> I, I can't help but start thinking, oh my god, am I gonna? Am I actually gonna be all right? Am I gonna play? Um, but uh, yeah, for the next week or two, I can't remember how long it was, but I was just charging in the upstairs the office the uh the backroom staff just saying have we heard anything what's the crack blah 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 and by each day kind of looked more and more likely that I was going to play um so my hopes were well and truly building and then obviously I got the great news and and it was I was like I just remember thinking how unbelievably lucky I was it was basically a loophole. Let's not beat around the bush. Do you know what I mean? Like, realistically, I probably shouldn't have been allowed to play. But it was kind of this loophole because it was a checker trade. But uh, I was a very, very lucky man at that. And, yeah, for, for, for county blessings, I got the chance to do it. You know, for something that people, I think, on the outside look at it and think, oh, it's a bit of a, like a tin pot Mickey Mouse cup. I mean we really got into the hype of it all, didn't we? If, if I think of when, you know, the team arriving at King's Cross that weekend for the Checker Trade final, yeah. did, did you have any idea what you were going to receive in terms of the welcome you did? It was just a complete <laughs> wall of noise that got you all off the train and up the platform. I think we kind of got a sense because we got the train from Durham mm-hmm. and obviously the hype before the week, like we were getting suits done for the for the finals. And you're thinking that this isn't no, like, yeah, okay, it is at the at the earlier stages, you know what I mean, with the 23s yeah. teams and all that, of course it is. But when, when you're in a Wembley final against Portsmouth and you know all the tickets are sold out, you're thinking, hang on, this is this is going to be some occasion, this. But yeah, that, with that that moment where we stepped off at King's Cross, that was uh, proper hairs standing up on the on the back of your neck. Like, it was it was unbelievable. Like, that that's the kind of stuff you want to, like, see it, like, bottle up and if you, if you could save it in a little bottle that would be like you'd be able to sell that for whatever money you want it was uh yeah something that will live with you for the rest of your life that because i just remember looking around and some of the boys who'd only been here for a year and maybe not realized how big a club sunnum was or what have you not not that people don't realize but anyone who comes from the outside in i think they always get tucked back by actually like how big it is in terms yeah. of how passionate the fans are and how many fans there are. Obviously, everyone can see from the outside our big stadium, blah, 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 being in the Premier League for years. But 
until you're actually there, you don't you don't realise the actual the weight of it all. And uh, I just remember looking at some of the boys' faces when we got back on the bus, like which is literally <laughs> parked right next to King's Cross. Normally, it's about a thirty-second walk onto the bus when you get the train, and it must have took us five, ten minutes <laughs> just because of the amount of people there. And I just remember looking around, thinking, the, like, if that doesn't make them get where they are, and you can tell people are starting to realise, thinking, this is a uh, this is special. And yeah, that five minutes or whatever was. Uh, some of the some of the best five minutes I've had in football. Uh, you, not, were you were kicking the ball. Were you following the scenes on like social media yeah, the night before oh, Trafalgar Square, Covent Garden? It was impossible like not to. Just because I, I obviously had mates and that down there as well, and they were just yeah. sending me the videos like in Trafalgar Square, and I'm thinking <laughs> half of you are thinking like looks like a cracking party. That I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, oh, it also makes you think like. Phew, better perform tomorrow like there's some serious expectation here like don't want to let these down like it was just the the scenes from Trafalgar Square and stuff they obviously all the videos the photos it was just it just made you so immensely proud to be part of the club it was yeah. like do you know it was like I am so proud to be part of this club right now like it, I've, everyone you could play for it's like I don't, I don't think you'd choose many above, above this club the day itself like you said pretty much nigh on a sellout, 85,000 people. And you think of some of the lads who've led Sunderland out of Wembley in the past, Rich Carter, Bobby Kerr, Barry Venison, Benno, Brace, Borley, John O'Shea. What's it like when you're stood in that tunnel, knowing that you're going to lead them out, basically to a cauldron of noise? Is that <sighs> nerves? Do you just soak it in, enjoy the moment? Yeah, it, it, it's weird because it's just so emotional. I just found myself being so emotional. I was thinking, oh my God, just keep a straight face and like just focus on the game. It was just, I think the whole uh, can't help falling in love in yeah. the warm up as well. Like it was just all like so emotional. But I just kept telling myself, like, this is all amazing, but you've got to make sure you perform for them. Like, you, like this is all nothing if you go have a stinking game here. Do you know what I mean? But it was really hard to keep the emotions in check because I must add about you know 40 people there what have you the packed Wembley first time at Wembley the singing can't help falling in love with you there I'm leaning them out it was just all so surreal and like impossible for me to appreciate at the time as much as emotional on that I was even I look now and I'm thinking oh my god did that actually happen like that was just so bizarre but yeah I the overriding emotion for me was like, got I've got to make sure that we're we're on it, yeah, because like it's an awful lot of people to let down if if we if we don't perform or, or win, which uh, obviously we'll get to, which uh, obviously happened. Well, you mentioned about turning up, and I think that that in a sense is it's the most important thing, and to play in the manner that we did for the first half, I mean, incredible tempo, we deservedly uh, lead at the break. Courtesy of a, an absolute worldie from Aidan McGeady. Yeah. But I don't know, it was it was a bit of a funny one. Portsmouth come out a completely different side and you know they, they began to dominate large portions of the rest of the game. Why do you think it was as they, you know, grew in confidence that we couldn't perhaps rise to meet it? Do you think it's just a case of we'd burnt ourselves out somewhat in the first half, or is it nerves kind of setting Possibly. in? Possibly. I mean, as you say, our first half, you look back at that and it probably one of our best performances in a half all season. Like absolutely, we were absolutely brilliant uh, first half, and it was kind of it was weird the feeling at half time. It's kind of like 
maybe we were just too overconfident. Maybe we thought, yeah, like, Jesus, we played unbelievable there. We're going to go on and win it and, you know, give Portsmouth due like they did all season. They stuck about and they came back at us really hard. And I think maybe it was one of those things in the footy that because we played so well in the first half and then we haven't had to take a back step all game, suddenly we come out second half and we up against it a bit. And it's just kind of like the the old football word momentum. Like yeah. once once a team gets on top of you and then obviously we've done unbelievable to drag it to extra time in the end. And you're thinking, well, they're still being the better team all second half. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was weird because on the pitch, it was feeling like that as well. I can't remember if they changed formation or what, but it was, it was like playing, it was like playing a different team the second half. And uh, games like that, it's, the, you, people are going to react differently. It's not as easy if you make a mistake, just forgetting about it when there's 90,000 people there. And do you know what I mean? So if, if you start getting under the cosh, it's probably a bit harder to turn things around when you've got, 45,000 of, of Pompey fans going wild in the second half. I think, obviously, that's a big difference when when the team's uh, up and down at Wembley. At first off, they're probably feeling the, the wall of Sunderland fans. They're thinking, up against it. Second off, they've come out, started brightly, and their fans have got G'd up. And then all of a sudden, that then it almost feels like an away game for us because like, you can only hear the Pompey fans, but that's just how it goes at Wembley. It's of course. split down the middle. Whoever's on top, it's going to be the loudest, aren't they? Talk me through the emotions of like the last five minutes of extra time because n- nobody does back and forth up and down like Sunderland did there. I mean, so they, they take the lead and then yeah. out of nowhere, you know, we pile everybody forward. Aidan McGeady manages to scramble the ball over the line. I'll be honest, I can't even begin to explain the relief and the noise of the people around me. I've got people diving over rows just celebrating <laughs> and went nuts. I've still got scars up my legs from yeah. it. And that's like my war marks from that day. Talk me through that last five minutes. Um, I, right, so they was it um, was it the lad Law? Was it, it was his Law, chips yeah. over John? And obviously, still at this point, we haven't really got going again since the first half. And you're kind of thinking it's not long left. I can't. I don't know if I asked what time it was, but you're thinking we've not been at it. We just need to chuck people forward here because we're not we're not going to all of a sudden click and I will play and get back it. And it was a warm day and I just remember looking around and I think we're all on our last legs here. Like we'd already played a lot of footy in the season. It was like in a, with how emotional it was in extra time. You're thinking this is the most draining match of my life. But then obviously in, in a typical Sunderland way and, and the way that team was that year, just never, never realising when they beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember the ball coming in and Aidan's to me left and uh, it falls to him. And you know, with with the feet he's got and the composure he had, he's he sort of chopped it away from the lad and then snuck it into the bottom corner. And just when that ball hit hit the back of the net, as you see, I remember wanting to like scream and run, but like legs were just so heavy. Like I, I don't even think Aiden was running that fast away, but no one seemed to be able to catch him because we were just that trained. But it was just like. I imagine it was just like what a boxer feels like. It felt like I'd done about 20 rounds with Tyson at that point because you're just thinking, oh my... It was just the pure emotion of it. Yeah. Of like thinking, oh, we're down, oh, we're back. But like when they scored, it was... As I say, we had, I had a great feeling with that team last year where it was like we never knew when we were beaten. Like at no point when we were down did I ever think, oh, this is like it's done. But just 
yeah, I think to top off an even more emotional day for, for that to go in. And then obviously for the penalties, it was, uh, it was, it was just a really bizarre day. But yeah, at that the- point, you're thinking we're going to win the pen shootout because Definitely. they must be so deflated. That I just remember every, every, everything that, so half-time, full-time, at the end, I just kept thinking, we're going to win. Like, I just kept it in my head, thinking, like, first off, th- right, they've been battered. Like, we're on top. We're like, we're going to finish this out. End of extra time, you're thinking, right, well, they, they've done their work in the second half. We're going to pounce on them in extra time now. End of extra time, thinking, We've just equalised last second. We're going into pens. There's no way they're going to be able to take the pens. You know what I mean? I just kept telling myself that, no, this is going to be our day. Is, is the penalties predetermined? Is is that done, you know, days in advance? Or is, is that on the day, basically, hands up who wants to take one? It's, uh, it was predetermined in the week because we'd been practising pens all week. Yeah. But obviously there's like a couple of different ones if, I don't know, if someone was off and yeah. someone came up. Do you know what I mean? There's always a list. But it wasn't even it wasn't a hands up. It was we went into a huddle and the and the manager chose the pens. Obviously, <laughs> after the game, I think I got a lot of stick because I didn't take a pen. And you know, looking at it, I, caught, I, I was captain midfielder. Yeah, I, I I would want to take a pen and me and probably I should have been more against the manager and being like, no, Gaff, I, I want to take a pen. But at that time, it didn't. I don't know. It just didn't feel right in my head to start causing friction before pen shootout, but maybe that's just just the way I was. Maybe that just wasn't enough enough of a uh, how do I put it? I think my whole sort of mantra as as a captain or whatever was just trying to have peace and easy going and everyone to get on. So yeah, that probably escalated into the whole pens. And when the five were announced, I was like, well, one of those now. And after it, I'm thinking people asking us why. And to be honest, my record at Pens from when I've been in the academy at Sunland in the various tournaments we've played uh, has always been shocking. Like I'm not going to beat around <laughs> uh, uh, Even when it was 18s playing as a 16 in the like in the like sort of league final against Fulham, Mr. Penn there, Mr. Penn in a checker trade. So uh, it was never a case of I'm a mint pen taker. Yeah. I want to take it. It was more just the fact like, oh, I'm captain. I should probably I should be taking one, but when the manager made his choice, it was like, well, <laughs> I've not really got anything to back it up apart from that I've got the armband on. Do you know what I mean? So if if we win the pen shootout, I don't think anyone says out, but we lost it, and sort of that's what uh, magnifying glass was on, which is fair enough. Someone's got to take the flak, and you know, right, rightly so. Like if I was looking at something and the captain didn't take a pen, I'd be like, something, something was up there. Do you know what I mean? But that's that was the full of it, and it was just one of those where at the time. I'm not even really thinking about, oh, I should be taking a pen. It was just kind of, we had our five best penalty takers. There you go. So sadly, it felt uh, to Katz to be the only one not to score from the spots. Did he need much consoling afterwards? <sighs> Listen, <laughs> you, you, anyone in that situation is going to be absolutely gutted, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but to be honest, he was okay because I think we also uh, accepted, like as great as that day was, on the night time, we all sort of came together and be like, right, that was a great day. But at the end of the day, our one aim this year was to get promoted. Like, mm-hmm. if that was the playoff final, I think it would have been a lot. He would not that he was obviously upset. Do you know what I mean? But I think everyone as a collective after it was kind of like, right, let's we've got something else to focus on. It wasn't like yeah. the the last game of the season, the playoff final, and do you know that's a totally different scenario. That, but obviously. 
for for a couple hours after he was upset, but you know, Katz is so, a strong bloke. You know, he can he can deal with a lot of things, and in again, he dealt dealt with that great, considering. If there was one player that you think and probably didn't deserve for that to happen to him, it was yeah. him. But so life goes. Well, as you mentioned, it's about you know kind of reacting and responding and and how he basically grow from that. In the following week, we'll go to Accrington, we'll win comfortably. We then go to Rochdale, somewhat nervy. Um, we'll come from behind and you score the winner in the last minute. And we're yeah. then level for second place Barnsley. We've got two games in hand. Confidence is absolutely sky high. Again, it's another ground I remember coming out of and straight away already I'm like, right, we're promoted. But Sunderland kind of do what Sunderland do best. Um, Crazy. Like when you look back at that position we were in, I'm thinking, how the hell did we not get promoted? It's one out of our final seven games that we we won and there was defeats in there. I mean, South End, we Fleetwood. These are games that traditionally that season we, we hadn't I, lost. I think we it was lose. the... the the Fleetwood game on this was it Southend? We were already in the playoffs. Was that That's the last right, yeah. The season? Yeah, I think the Fleetwood game was the big one. Like from what I remember, do you think in terms of obviously the way it went though? Was it the case of you know we we played that much football, or was it the case of we just you know without sort of you know singling anybody out? Could we not see a deal with the pressure because we had such a an upper hand, and and then we've got the Burton game where we draw at home, and, and the Coventry game. I mean, by God, for anyone oh, yeah. that relive that, us, I mean, God, I... we'd never see a game like that for another thirty years. <laughs> it was a bizarre game, wasn't it? Looking back, I think it was probably a a, a mix of them all. We we played a lot of footy that by then, like with the checker trade in there as well. The emotion of all that and. To be honest, I didn't feel like there was a massive hangover from it, though, from losing the final. I didn't feel like, oh, we started feeling sorry for ourselves or anything like that. But I think we just kind of got into it away from what we'd been doing really well in the first half of the season. We were just trying to find, like, instead of, like, concentrating on maybe our our performance and and letting the result take care of itself, we were kind of, like, trying to force results in, maybe. Yeah. Which it, it's hard to sort of like get out of that trend because the games come thick and fast. You kind of it's hard to take a step back and realize what's actually going wrong because we were playing like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It, it was just all so relentless, and it all of a sudden starts snowballing. And you know what it's like at, at Sunderland. Once we once we went one, it was all of a sudden we didn't win for three, and then yeah, it's things start getting chaotic and. Yeah, I think 100% there would have been uh, players or, or what have you feeling pressure. And uh, just because it, it, it's the, as it always is, it's the nitty gritty bit of the season. It's, it's the part that really matters. And yeah, you probably say we, we've been one of, if not the best team in the league up in that, to that point. But if you don't finish it off, you're not going to get promoted. And I think like, a few things, like at that point in the season, we had a lot of people carrying injuries like anyone would and maybe people playing that weren't fit and stuff like that. Like, for example, Aiden had a sore foot. That's right, yeah. And he, and he wasn't training. He was playing on Saturday and you're thinking, you know, how long can he carry that on for? Is he fully fit? Um, so, that, like, but he wasn't what the only one. There was a lot of us. I, I, I was playing at times with only training once because I had a sore knee and stuff. And you're thinking... This is great because we're trying to keep the team and all that together. But is this is this the be- the best for the team going forward? But 
stuff. It's impossible to know at the time because uh, mm-hmm. you sort of you sort of stick with a way of how you're going to do it, and, and you follow the manager and and us as players go together as one. But it, from that position, we we just felt so. The thing that always will bug at me is just that we felt so good, and at no point did I ever feel that oh we're losing grip here or yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, just after the Rochdale game, I was just remember just thinking like we have so got this. Like this is like when when you score on last minute winners and that. I just remember thinking that's you always get told that's the hallmark of a successful team and stuff. And thinking yeah. of what we hadn't really got beat all season. Like any time it looked like we we're going to get beat, would snatch a draw. Yeah, I know it probably came back. There was too many draws or whatever. But I just meant in terms of like the never give up and like yeah, go to the end kind of attitude. We meet up with our old friends again, Portsmouth in the playoffs. Um, much <laughs> was made about it being the smallest crowd of the season. Um, it was still well above 26,000, but what a night that turned out to be. I mean, we, we really rose to the occasion if you think of how flat the season finished. I mean, by God, we, we we didn't have to hit the game to them, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, I think uh, if you ask any of the lads that played in that game, that was the most comfortable that we'd felt all season against just about any team. Like, we just kind of set up against them. And we obviously, by this point, we knew them so well. Uh, and we just kind of had this amazing feeling like we were never getting beat. Like, there was no way that they were going to score against us. It was... It's, what, if you're getting that feeling as a team and there's like, I don't know, five or six years with that feeling, that's a pretty special thing on a football pitch. And I remember just talking to the lads after the game and thinking like, if we're on it like that down at Fratton Park again, like these have got nothing against us because they're probably looking at us as well, like probably the two biggest teams in in, in the league in terms of fan base and history mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh we sort of just came to the realization. We're like, you know, if we actually concentrate on ourselves and we're the better team, like we we beat Portsmouth here. Like every every time we play against them, if if we focus on uh, on ourselves, so it was a pretty special feeling. And yeah, it was, it was a bit bizarre having the lowest crowd of the season for the playoff, but it just it, it kind of g'd us up a bit because we were a bit like, oh, as everyone gave up on us a little bit, yeah. as, as people like huffed about the whole thing like have they gave up on us like so it, it kind of actually g'd up the players a bit but you're not thinking it's 26,000 at all yeah. you're thinking like this is uh, this is as good as we've played in all season absolutely well I mean back to Fratton Park and the run up to the fixture I'm not sure whether you know you were told to avoid all of the stuff but some of the social media stuff from, from their actual official accounts was really really kind of petty and small time they're talking about Fortress Fratton Park and how we're all going to be in for the fright of our lives. And we know what it's like down there. It's always a really yeah. tempestuous, scrappy game. And as we're seeing uh, at Wickham, and as we're seeing with Josh Denali down at Watford, you're certainly not afraid to give him back to anybody. But how as a captain do you ensure that everybody keeps their head in a game like that? Because it backfired big style on them, didn't it? They, they wanted to try to wind yeah. us up and wind us up, but it just did not work. And if anything, it backfired. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm sure that we've been told a few times they've been doing it throughout the season like when we got beat down there in December there was stuff coming out and what have you and I think that's, mm-hmm. that did spill over onto the pitch because it was kind of like well like what are you giving it do you know what I mean you saw in the seat like like as if they were trying to act as if they were like uh, bigger and better than us at times just it was just one of those where it was like well where's this coming from 
So going into the game, as I say, because we had that much of a good feeling in the first leg, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the same team in the second leg, yeah. we, we kind of just came up with a mindset of, obviously, as you say, Fratton Park is a, um, always an unbelievable atmosphere, and it's going to be a pretty special night here. They're 1-0 down. They're going to want to, uh, you know, make it a, a nasty game, get the crowd going, and, uh, you know, get onto us. We're, we're just basically saying, don't give anything to G the crowd up, get their backs up. Do you know what I mean? Like, just sort of just play the game, play it how, how we did on on whenever it was, Saturday or whatever. Yeah. And uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> Five minutes in. <laughs> the ball goes out. I can't remember what happens. The ball goes out or whatever, and Chris Maguire starts, like, mouthing off to one of their fans or something. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is exactly <laughs> what we don't want, man. <laughs> like, I know, like, he, he loves to play the villain and all that, and that's how he gets himself going. But I'm thinking, Chrissy, man, for the team, just leave it. Like we don't want it twenty thousand Pompey fans going berserk now, wanting to kill us and G in their team up no end. The funny thing is though, the, the player they eventually pick on is with all due respect to him, the softest and nicest lad in Luke 09. He's getting kicked a bit like by the fans and that. I mean, what on earth's going through your head when you say that? It, it, it was it was surreal. I think I was on the other side of the pitch when it was happening. But you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking, have I just seen that right? Yeah. Someone just tried to like take a swing at him, but you're thinking, I I don't know. It's a weird feeling when you're on the football pitch because even though there's fans there, you, you just you and yeah, they can be like angry or whatever, and like it's a very emotional game. But you always feel like safe because you think, oh, everyone kind of no, knows the the uh, your boundaries, the rules. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Every, everyone like yeah, you, there's uh, can be a lot of anger and frustration, but you'd like to think. Everyone knows when to draw a line. Obviously, there's been incidents where that that hasn't happened, but you kind of don't even think about that. Do you know what I mean? And then, obviously, Luke's fell into to the to the front row. I think you've seen what's gone on, and then you've seen a couple of our lads run over, and you're still thinking that hasn't just happened. Like <laughs> what? As you say, the the nicest guy ever. He's probably like. He's probably asking, like, being the most polite ever to get the ball or whatever. Yeah. Probably saying thank you and please about a million times. <laughs> and uh, he's just got a right hook for his cause. But, yeah, it, it's just disgusting. And to be honest, it, it like, not that we needed anymore, but it was just kind of another one. Just be like, right, send these pack and these are doing our head in here. Like, <laughs> like fans, players, the loss, you're thinking, like, come on. Let's end this once and for all. So I don't have to see Portsmouth ever again. Well, thankfully, we um, we did overcome them. And one of the the major talking points from from that evening was was Grant Ledbetter. And we, we know, he, you know, him and his family, they're all Sunderland through and through. And it wasn't until a couple of days afterwards we were all made aware of the, the sad circumstances preceding the game. Now, I'll be honest, I can't even begin to imagine how yeah. he managed to drag himself through the game and deliver the performance he did. He was absolutely excellent. He is a man you want in the trenches with you on a night like that, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I think uh, uh, some of us were obviously aware before, a couple of days before the game of uh, what what he was going through, and um, you know, just for even for, for him to come down and put pull on the shirt, and, as you say, put in that performance was uh, you know that's just incredible strength there. And yeah, it was it was one of those at the end of the game, everyone just wanted to go over. And, and hug him like not mm-hmm. no no one was even bothered about really what it meant about going to the playoff final or whatever because you know 
if, if, even though he was so sort of new into the group, he'd only came in in January. He yeah. was obviously he's a Sunderland boy. He's a top pro. He had an unbelievable career, and uh, you know, every, every everyone just wanted to do it for him, and everyone was just he obviously really wanted to to do it and uh, as well so we had his back 100% whatever he chose to do we, we would obviously have his back and uh, yeah it was just incredibly emotional night again and I think uh, as you say for him to show that strength to play and put in that performance is testament to Grant and he's uh, no I, I wouldn't wish upon me worse than me the stuff that he's been through but I think if there's ever a club that uh, can get behind a player and you know make them feel, uh, you know, look after him, I'd say it's Sunderland. I think he's in good hands being at the club and uh, with, with with the fans and everything. I think uh, you'd like to think he, he he'll always have someone there for him when oh, he needs course. it. Absolutely, I'm uh, sure I speak on behalf of of absolutely everybody here. But the backing that he's got and and when we're brought back to the club, it was. It's a special thing. I mean, as you're aware, it was, it was absolutely lads. beautiful. It was absolutely. Yeah. It was. I remember looking at it and thinking, a lot. Obviously, a lot of stuff that you, you hadn't been proud of at Sunderland over the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you're thinking, well, like, what's the club doing? Blah blah blah. Various different things. But you think of the whole Grant thing and everyone pulling together for that. And I thought, yeah, you know what? One one of the times I've I've felt most proud about being part of Sunderland when when all that was happening. So. Uh, no, it was a really good testament to everyone, really. Absolutely. So back to Wembley again. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, this time the novelty had really worn off for an awful lot of people. The atmosphere was was weird. You just got the feeling that nobody really weird, wanted to be there. It was yeah. weird. I mean, look, we, we get the best help in hand. You see the most bizarre of own goals four or five <laughs> minutes in. But what, what's the plan like then? Is it basically... You know, do we just say, right, let's try and see it out. We'll dig in deep like we did at Portsmouth because we only really had a couple of half chances. And I think most yeah. people would probably feel the same. You think if we go for them here and we score a second, it's likely to be game over and their confidence uh, is shot to bits. Oh, absolutely. As you say, it was an absolute bizarre first five minutes because Max went off injured. Yeah. Uh, so there was a big delay for that. And then uh, the, that own goal happens, the most bizarre own goal I've ever been involved in. And like all of a sudden, we've only played two minutes, but it's been about twenty minutes and you're on the yeah. pitch, and you're thinking this is absolutely crazy. But that Charlton game was horrible. It just didn't seem like anyone could get going. Like, yeah. and it was one again. It's never going to be from lack of trying or or, or 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 do you know what I mean? Like in a final, you don't need to motivate anyone or or like tell them to work hard or anything like that. But I don't know. I don't know whether listen. At the end of the day, I thought Charlton played really well as well. They were the better side. They were, they were the better side, but knowing how we could play and, and what we'd put in recently, yeah, it was really disappointing. But I, I, it was weird. It was just such a weird atmosphere. Like the whole, it was we were in a playoff final and it was flat. We were flat as a team. Like the the fans were flat. It, 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 as you say, it was as if like no one wanted to be here, players or fans, and you're thinking yeah. like. All right, yeah, we we didn't want to be here, but we've got one chance to get to get through in and you know make it a successful season. But then the goal obviously gets handed to us on a plate, and we're one nil up. And you're thinking, well, <laughs> we, we, the prayers are being answered here. Like we we're getting given the win, but 
I don't know whether then that just freed up Charlton to think, well, oh, well, we've got now to lose here. If we're conceding goals like that, it just kind of freed them up. And again, we weren't good at coming back from a bit of pressure at Wembley and turning the tide. But yeah, it was it was it that obviously that was the game that I think everyone in the in the squad would be more disappointed at. Not even just result wise, which was obviously gutter uh, last second, but just performance wise, we were just. I don't know. I don't know what it was. As I say, like maybe it was the twenty minutes at the start, having to make an early sub, and 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 the long delays just kind of like dragged it out a bit and and like flattened us even more. But it's hard hard to put my hat on it. I've I thought about it a lot over the over the months after this, but it, it it would be hard to know what I would actually change if I had to go back and do it again. Obviously, you would like to think that you perform better, but I don't. There wasn't anything I could stick my finger on and be like, that wasn't right or that mm-hmm. shouldn't have happened. It's just a hangover that we haven't been able to shake off, really, isn't it? For, for yeah, such exactly, a long time. Exactly. Even it this day. Here, here we go again at Wembley, blah, blah, blah. And as yeah, it was just a hangover. It was just like, yeah, it was just not a, at no point was there a good feeling that weekend, I don't think. Because I think everyone was just kind of like, oh, wish we had it wrapped up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just. The, the whole attitude to it wasn't wasn't great from us and obviously that, that that's going to cost you when Charlton are probably thinking oh you know that's their first trip to Wembley they're probably having the same buzz that we had for the checker trade so you know if we're going into it feeling like that then the, the other team are going to instantly have the upper hand absolutely well it's a day that I think we all hate reliving um, and the summer itself was was difficult because of a lot of uncertainty, you know, talks of players coming in, players coming out. But I'll be honest, George, what I still can't quite get my head around to this day. So pre-season starts, you start in the game at South Shields, but you then miss the trip to Portugal and it's reported that it's it's an injury and there's no suggestion of anything more. I know Jack Ross had been out earlier in the week. He discussed how vital you were. You were remaining captain regardless of, you know, Grant being now back in the squad. So that at least tells me that you're, as always, going to be first name on the team sheet. But what kind of changes here? When when are you made of, of Hull's interest? And were you at least given like a choice of staying, extending your contract? Or was it, you know, look, we've accepted a bid. It's kind of time to go. How did it all unfold? So the, the thing with missing the Portugal stuff was the last three, four months of last season, I was playing with this uh, tendon injury in my knee. Yeah. And uh, I came back. Ho- we we were hoping that it, it, it'd sort of subside over the layoff in the summer. Um, and then that wasn't the case. I played one game and then I trained uh, like a couple of days after. I mean, it basically like became really fat and painful. And uh, it was the case of I need to go for a course of injections down in London to get that fixed. So the missing of the Portugal stuff was not never anything to do with uh, me eventually leaving the club. <laughs> to be honest, it was, it never even crossed my mind uh, in the off season or whatever that I would leave Sunderland. It was, yeah. it was almost come to the stage where <laughs> I was thinking uh, I would almost love to be like a one club player. Like if, uh-huh. if, if, if Sunderland could give me the chance, do you know what I mean? If, if that was the case, like, we never properly entertained that until I probably got to like 28, 29. But there was some thoughts like that where I was thinking, I'm already captain. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm in a good place here. But um, but yeah, so obviously I only had uh, one year left on my contract. 
and uh, with the sort of whole uh, takeover and stuff like that, I'm kind of thinking, right, no one said anything to me about my contract, but I'm taking it because there might be a takeover and stuff. They're waiting to see what happens with that, and then, and then hopefully that it gets approached. But um, but we'll just sort of sit tight. Like I'm not in any rush or what what have you. But uh, obviously, I would like it sorted sooner rather than later. This is this is just all my thoughts. Of course, I'm not actually dialoguing with the club because like it's kind of like a, a stubborn pride where you, you kind of want to be approached by them about a new contract. You don't want to yeah. like be like oh give me a new contract <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> so anyway I miss Portugal and uh, I'm going through my course of injections or whatever and uh, I'm uh, I'm walking my dog on a Tuesday night uh, it's a nice evening whatever blah 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 uh, The la- I think the lads are back from Portugal now but I'm still not trading I'm not, I'm not really doing much I'm just kind of resting my knee getting these injections in it and uh I get a phone call from my uh, agent just saying, oh, um, like, Hull are uh, interested in you. I was like, all right, okay. But you kind of just, like, you hear bits and pieces or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, right, okay, whatever. Like, it doesn't mean anything. They just kind of, like, let you know as a courtesy. I was like, all right, okay, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll I'll speak to you in a a couple of days or whatever. And I I never even really thought about it. And I was thinking, all right, okay. It's it's always nice to be wanted. But in my head, I'm thinking, right, hopefully if if someone shows a bit of interest, that might trigger a new contract from Sunland. Yeah. And anyway, so that was Tuesday night. And uh, Wednesday lunchtime, I get a phone call and uh, it's Hull, Hull have put a bid in for you. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, that that's uh, that's that's went quick. Let us know what Sunderland's saying. Let us know what uh, what happens, like because obviously I've got one year left. Mm-hmm. Be like, well, surely this has got to trigger a new contract or or what have you. Um, and anyway, basically two hours later, uh, it's that uh, Sunderland have accepted the bid and my medicals the next day. And I kind of think, blow my neck, like <laughs> I haven't even like like. Like, I haven't even, like, said anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just kind of like, well, is that it? Like, I was kind of, I was, to me, agent, I was like, well, does that mean Sunderland aren't going to offer me a new contract or whatever? And they're like, no, they've accepted the bid. And that was basically it. In the space of 12 hours, I was then down in London on my medical hull, and it was all just kind of, in the space of two days, I went from not knowing anything, like, just thinking about my season ahead with Sunderland, um to then being a whole player it was all all a bit surreal like unbelievably quick but yeah I, I, I at some point I always kind of thought oh Sunderland gonna offer me a new contract here yeah, and it, it just never came and it was one of those where it was like well they've accepted the bid Hull have offered me a four-year contract I've got one year left at Sunderland they're not offering me anything it's like well I can't really throw me toys out the pram it looks like they, looks like they want to sell us um and it was one of those where I was speaking to my dad. I was like, "Well, well, what do I do?" And he's like, "Well, it's clearly, clearly, Sunland want to sell you, so you don't want to go. You don't want to start throwing a pan, give up an opportunity to go to a championship club on a four-year deal, and then go back to a club and they're just trying to sell you." So I was like, "Well, well, it looks like I'm going to Hull then." So it must have been a fair, fair amount of disappointment, though. I mean, for 
the club that you've been at since the age of 10, pretty much half, well, more I than think, half I of think your life. the most disappointing thing was is that, obviously, Aidan had a terrific season last year, but at that point, Aidan had already signed a new contract. And, yeah. like, he was 33 or something at the time. And I'm thinking, I'm 20, 24. I'm captain of the club. I've come through the academy. I was kind of in the in the impression looking back and I was kind of like thinking well sh- surely I, I could have been looked after by the club there but uh wasn't to be I obviously they got they got some money for me so whether how much the club needed that money I don't know um you hear all sorts uh, of different say, different rumors a long conversation for another day <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um but to be honest, it got to a point where I was uh, in having my medical at Hull and I started becoming, I just kind of had to change my mindset. And I was like, do you know what? I'm signing for a good club here in the championship. Uh, yeah. And then I just kind of had to, it's not easy, but sort of change my mentality and be like, this is an unbelievable opportunity here. Like, uh, like I go have a good couple of years here, whatever, you never know what happens. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was kind of, Hey, I, w- I wasn't happy with how it ended. I, I can't lie, but that, that's that's how it was. So, you know, that's 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 the business side of footy. That's the ruthlessness of it. But yeah, I, I went from a Tuesday night walk with the dogs, but not not a care in the world apart from getting my knee sorted to uh, a whole plane in less than forty eight hours. So all a bit bizarre, to be honest. Are you still in touch with with any of the lads at the club? Any of the players that you come through the academy with? Yeah, yeah, Max, Duncan, Lyndon. Um, obviously, keep in touch with the staff as well that yeah. are at the club. Like they, it was just bizarre. I just remember I drove to um, to the academy light on the Wednesday to pick up my boots on the night because I was going down for medical just to pick up my stuff. And that feeling of that could be my last drive to the academy light after I've been going there four times a week since I was ten. It was absolutely cre- like. I, it, it gave me chills down my spine, but, uh, but yeah. Oh, the, 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 everyone in there it was just honestly, it was just like my family. It was just like having an extended family. I just knew everyone so well and, and what have you. And it was uh, obviously, it's sad, but <laughs> we're not gone it's anywhere. I've just changed club. Do you know what I mean? Were you um, were you surprised to see Jack Ross let go a few months later? I mean, it would. So nobody does uncertainly really like Sunderland, but yeah. In, in terms of the original vision for a man who was. A long-term project, you know, just kind of finding his feet. I mean, like I said about the hangover from last season, maybe that couldn't be shook off. But to me, I'll be honest, I was, I was still really, really kind of puzzled and surprised at just how quick and out of nowhere it came. Yeah. To be honest, I absolutely loved working under Jack Ross. I thought he was a, a brilliant brilliant coach, brilliant manager. So so when I seen that he, he'd left, I just thought, what are Sunderland doing now? Like I know that we had a sticky start, and listen, it's it's a tough club when 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 things start, the tide starts turning against you. What once sort of people start making their minds up, it's hard to sort of turn them round. Yeah. But just from previous experiences with different managers I'd seen through the clubs for the last fifteen years or whatever, obviously in the last four or five years I've been more sort of not hands on, but more involved with them. But I absolutely love, and I think. I absolutely love working with Jack Ross and I think just about all the lads did as well. So when I seen that, yeah, I was upset because I, I just knew how much good stuff he was doing behind the scene and how much he had to, you know, 
do when he turned up. Like people forget, we had about six players at the start of uh, last season in pre-season, the first day back. And you're thinking, like he's come into that from a couple of seasons in in the Scottish League. You know, after a team that's been back to back relegated. I know, I, I know it's League One, but it's still like. <laughs> It's easy for a club just to drift and and be be an absolute non-event for years. So for him to turn that into a team where you know we got to two finals last year and yeah we win the top two to the last seven games and obviously we we messed it up at the end. But I just think he did so much good stuff with the academy, with how he was as a man, how, how his training, everything. I just I I just thought Sunderland were in really safe hands. I thought that's a manager that. For four or five years, if they let him get the chance, he he'll put the club on on a really good track. But obviously, football's a fickle sport, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? Yeah, it it kind of just seemed like it was almost waiting to happen. It was like someone would win a game. They just from the outside looking in. At this point, obviously, I'm not at the club, but it was just I was obviously following the results like Close. I do closely, and the reaction, and you're thinking. It just felt like everyone was desperate for someone to lose a couple of games and and from to get sacked and it was just bizarre. What like like it felt like it was it was a ticking time bomb. You're thinking, come on, the amount of, the amount of turmoil we've been through. Surely we can stick by a manager for a few years, like yeah. get a bit of a base going. Like, has history not taught us anything? George, I know you're pretty much pressed for time, so just before I do let you go, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you were at Sunderland for more than half of your life and the turnaround of your transfer and never really afforded you the chance of a proper send-off or an opportunity, you know, to say goodbye or the fans to say goodbye to you. So without putting you too much on the spot, can you just explain how much Sunderland Football Club and the fans mean to you and your family? <laughs> well, it just feels like it is my family. It like, I, I just don't, until the season, I never knew anything else. The training ground, the stadium was my home. It was, it was all just, it's just always will be so special for me. The people that looked after me from the staff, the academy to then being in the first team, the fans that you'd see at every game, the fans that would stay outside the stadium, the staff at the stadium. It, the list goes on. I, I've got so much love for the people there. Like that will always be my club. I will always follow that club no matter what. And it, as I say, it was sad how it ended, but I will just forever be grateful for for the kind of bringing up that Sunderland Football Club did to me, they 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 raised me. They, like uh, they took me in as a ten year old kid, and 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 I left a twenty five year old man after having captained the club. At, if that's not the most amazing thing in the world, I don't know what is. So I will forever be grateful to the club for giving me all those opportunities because because it's just such a special club, and for me to to do it at, at our club, it is I something that I will never take for granted. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 